Welcome to the Pop Culture Pub Podcast. Now let's begin. Welcome to the Pop Culture Pub Podcast. I'm your host this week. My name is Chris Lockhart, and I am not alone. I have two co-hosts in crime with me this week. First up, we have Lillian Knelson. How's it going, Lillian? So far, so good. Hopefully, I'm coming in loud and clear because we were having some mic issues at setup. Uh, it's still cutting in a little bit, but uh, it, it, it's definitely a lot better. I'm here and we're not dead. Excellent. Excellent. And last but not least, we have Kevin Decent on the line. How's it going, Kev? Going well. Um, hopefully my connection's going good here. You know, I mean, it, it's still cold for all of us. Maybe maybe the Skype just needs time to get warmed up. Yeah, that's it. Maybe Skype just needs time to get warmed up. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah, it's definitely chilly here. Well, I shouldn't say it's it's not that bad. It's minus eleven, but I mean we're in March That's now. Cold. It is cold for March, um, and uh, you know I was already thinking ahead to uh, the Calgary Comic and Entertainment Expo, which is at the end of April, and I mean sometimes that weekend we get like a blizzard. So and that and that's still like a month and a half away. So, but. Um, looking forward to it unfortunately uh for this recording and for our next recording uh our co-host ragnar won't be with us um but he we are we do have an episode of trek 1701 planned uh to record on monday so that'll be next week so hopefully next week everything will work out and we'll have a new episode of trek 1701 where ragnar and the star trek guys and i will uh be talking uh some some star trek the next generation movies um and to be honest uh, there's going to be some nitpicking i think with the, with that um podcasting in terms of you know some of the things some of the decisions that were made with those movies and speaking of nitpicking the topic for this episode of the pop culture pop podcast is uh nit- nitpicking pop culture um, so, uh, worst case, uh, worst cases in pop culture where logic just fails. Uh, so I asked, uh, my co-host to bring two nitpicks. Um, so I'll kick it off, uh, because, uh, what made me think about this topic? And I mean, this is one that we will definitely do again, because there's a lot of nitpicks out there. A lot of things that, you know, just defy logic. What made me think about this topic was over Christmas, I um, was doing a rewatch of Star Trek The Next Generation, but I was rewatching the episodes that I tend to skip. Um, and it's a lot of season seven episodes. Um, because, uh, you know, I, if you're, if you're a tra- uh, TG fan like myself, um, I think season seven, uh, they kind of ended the series on a whimper, you know, season seven really was not that great of a season. Um, and they had a lot of, a lot of things working against them during that time. Um, when season seven of TNG came out and like was being made, um, they were planning the next, the first next generation movie that was like in pre-production Star Trek Voyager was getting, you know, they were busy planning that and, and, you know, working on that. Deep Space Nine was in its second season, so that, you know, like that was, um, you know, taking some of the writers and, and some of the creators away from TNG. And I and I feel, really feel that the that, that last season of TNG suffered as a result. Um, so I watched a lot of TNG episodes, and, and one thing that really really stood out to me and the, and i mean this goes right to the beginning of, of of star trek next generation something that oh has always bothered me with with the next generation 
was right from the get-go, why is there families on the Enterprise? Why is there children on the Enterprise? Even Captain Picard didn't, didn't see the logic in it in that first episode. And then, uh, like, the first season, you, you saw more, more kids, like, you know, kids running around and stuff like that on the Enterprise. Um... And then as the show progressed, you saw less and less kids. Like, they would have, like, the occasional episode um, where, where, you know, kids would show up. And then you're reminded that there was kids on the Enterprise. And it just, it doesn't make sense to me. You know, like, space is not a forgiving place. Being on a ship... Like, as, you know, as we know on Star Trek, you know, things can happen. There's transporter malfunctions. There's, you know, the Enterprise could be hit with something. You know, they could there could be an enemy attack. Like, why would you have children on the Enterprise? Like, I understand what Gene Roddenberry wanted to do. You know, he wanted to make a family show. But it just doesn't make sense. Eventually, Star Trek went away from having children on ships. Um because of the Borg and because of the Dominion War, uh, kids kind of got moved off uh, ships, like in canon. Um, but having them there in the first place never made sense. So anyway, I was re-watching Season 7, and there's this, there's this uh, episode called Genesis, and it's... Uh, it kind of is... Like, it's got an interesting premise... But it it doesn't you know there's a lot of nitpicking flaws here, so so the so what the premise is is the crew of the Enterprise like there's like uh, like Doctor Crusher cures Lieutenant Barkley he's got some sort of like rare flu or whatever, so she gives him this this hypo spray of medicine, and it creates like this airborne virus that spreads throughout the ship, and it has the effect of de evolving the people on the ship. So, um, Riker turns into, like, a caveman, uh, Counselor Troy turns into, like, a fish lady, Worf turns into, like, this exoskeleton Klingon monster, um, Nurse Ogawa turns into an ape, um, like, the whole ship, like, it, basically the ship, you know, everyone gets transformed, except for Picard and Data, um, well, Data's an android, so he can't be transformed, but Picard is with Data on a shuttle when all this goes down, and they come back to the Enterprise, find it adrift and derelict, and then they go aboard, and, uh, you know, Data comes up with a cure, and, but the thing is, uh, Worf is trying to get at them, and Picard's got to lead, you know, Beast Worf away from sick bay and all that kind of stuff, right? So anyway, the episode ends, and everyone's cured, and because Lieutenant Barkley turned into like some spider monster, and he is afraid of spiders. So you know him and or Crusher and and Counselor Troy make a joke about like Counselor Troy says, "Oh, I'm gonna have to clear my schedule for the next two weeks." Ha ha ha! And then you know, and then it's the end of the episode. But after I'm watching that, I'm thinking to myself, first of all. Like, wouldn't these people have PTSD after this? Like, after you get transformed into, like, like monsters and, you know, cavemen and apes and whatever, wouldn't that be a traumatic experience? And you wouldn't be, like, I don't know, joking about it? Um, so there's that. And then I'm thinking, what, what about the children? Like, they would have been turned into these creatures and stuff, too. And we saw, like, when Picard and Data went on the onto the bridge the helmsman got killed because like, and I'm assuming it was monster wharf that killed him because he had like slash marks across his, across his chest and he was, you know, sitting in his chair dead. I'm thinking to myself, okay, first of all, how many other people did wharf kill when he was this monster? Second of all, like, wouldn't that be like a traumatic experience for not like wharf and for, you know, like the friends of these people that died. And not only that, but they're turning into these monsters and they're, and they're, you know, like our um, uh, prehistoric creatures or whatever. 
and they're going back into this, you know, m mindset of predator, prey, that sort of thing. Kids are going to be easy prey. So I'm thinking some kids probably got killed during this episode. And then it ends with, with Crusher and Troy joke at making a joke. And I'm thinking to myself, this is, this is like, I mean, they did an episode in that season as well where Dr. Crusher's grandma was banging a ghost. I, and I'm not joking. Like that, that, that happened. Uh, so, you know, like a lot, there was a lot of bad episodes in season seven. A lot of, a lot of the thing, a lot of, you know, logic fell through the cracks here. But I just kept thinking about the kids when I watched this episode. I'm like, again, why would you have children on the Enterprise? So I'm, so that's my nitpick. Um, you know, even as a kid, like when, I was a kid when this show premiered, like I was seven years old when TNG hit the airwaves. Um, even then... I thought that was a stupid idea, having kids on the ship, you know. But anyway, that's my nitpick. And and watching episodes like that episode, like Genesis, and there's other episodes too. Um, having children on, on, a, on a starship like that never made sense. And, and they did correct it, you know, like I said, later on. In canon, they got rid of, you know, having children and families on ships. But watching that episode, I just kept, I don't know, it was in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, like, there's so much PTSD here. Like, 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 even just Worf. And they, you know, like, knowing that, you know, it's not his fault, but knowing that you killed people when you were this monster, I mean, that's got to be traumatic. And they just laugh it off. But, but anyway. That's my nitpick. Lillian, uh, what's your first nitpick for nitpicking pop culture? Okay. So this one is kind of like when you presented this topic, mm -hmm. it was the first one that came to my head. Because we just watched um, the Christmas movie Violent Nights. Okay, yep. And there is an amazing scene where this little kid is like oh look i i was just like in the movie and, ho and she ended up killing two people um oh, okay and that's pretty much home when i think of the home alone movies the first one you know realistically some of the stuff that happened in that movie the guys would be dead mm -hmm. um and there was like even the second one there's a couple stunts that happened where they would be dead like will not survive this. I'm sorry. You take a bowling ball to the face. You take, like, you get punched down the stairs by a paint can. All of these things, you are dead. Yep. And so, I've never, like, I know it's a classic Christmas movie, and even I love the theme song, and we all run around quoting it, but it's probably really, it's really, it takes a lot to suspend belief you know when you're watching it because you're like this this is traumatizing mm -hmm. everybody's gonna need like again just like you said kids therapy <laughs> like sure it's 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 all fun and like he's like i'm defending my house but at the end of the day you gotta bet this kid probably had nightmares afterwards never mm -hmm. ever didn't lock the doors i mean all of this chaos and it's probably one of the hardest things it's just no. <laughs> well, that or or maybe he turned into a psychopath after this. Exactly. Or he's going to turn into someone who, like, cannot live unless they are in a severely chaotic, like, situation, you know? Yeah. Well, I, I, rem uh, I remember watching that second one when he's throwing the bricks off that four-story building and they're hitting, uh, what's his name, in the head? Yep. I mean, it was funny. But at the same time, it's like one of those bricks would have crushed his skull. He would have been dead immediately. Or at least knocked out or bludgeoned or... Like... <clears throat> yeah. There actually is a story I heard about some kids who replicated um, the scene in the second movie where the guy slides into the paint shelf. Yeah. And died. Ooh. Those paint cans are not light. No. 
No, definitely not. Uh, Kevin, your your thoughts on this? <laughs> um, there is, I think, Mythbusters did an episode, maybe. And I know there's some random YouTube that did it because uh, when my kid watched uh, both Home Alone, well, actually, he watched like all of the Home Alone a couple of years ago and rewatches one and two now. Yeah. But we found someone doing, you know, here's the actual damage that would take place. Mm-hmm. And even ones that aren't the big ones in the movies is still deadly. You know, even once you're like, oh, okay, that that one wasn't as bad as the others. Well, no, but it's still not good. I mean, you know, not that it's good, but you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, it's it's still going to be horrible for whatever happens to these people. But, it, you know, I mean, it was very interesting. And I just, you know, I, I was explaining to him very frequently and all while watching it because I was nervous. I'm like, you know, this is a movie. Yeah. You know this is not real. You know you don't do this stuff for fun. Because that was one of the things, you know, Lillian mentioning um, people doing it, that was one of the things. I'm like, I don't want my kid to be copycatting any of this, thinking Mm -hmm. it's, you know, cartoony and silly and all. So, I mean, been like, from the get-go for anything like that, even, you know, I mean, like, I love wrestling, and I've told them from the start, like, hey... You know, they're not these people. Yeah. You know, they're they're trained, yeah. they're going out there, they're putting on a show, but like they're they're not really good guys and bad guys here. You know, they're helping each other out. We're to enjoy the show. You know, like I, I've even done that from the start, because I don't you know, I mean like I don't know if it was more pronounced when I was younger or it's just I'm not in the same wheelhouses for things. But I remember seeing stories of kids doing stuff and getting hurt mm-hmm. um the uh do you guys remember the program when that movie came out and some kids replicated one of the stunts and a couple died and uh, now the movie's been edited? i don't know re- i don't remember the program so program was like i believe a college football movie but oh. there was like this like bonding moment or you know, team building or whatever hell you want to call it, where they laid in the middle of the road, like right on the yellow line, having oh. cars go past them. Yeah. And I guess some some kids did go ahead and do it, you know, team building exercise or whatever the hell, and the couple died because, yeah, there's people laying in the middle of the road at night. You're not going to see them until it's too late. Yeah. Because people shouldn't be laying in the middle of the road. So, um, I believe in the immediate DVD, you know, home video, whatever release they edited it, and then like anything you see now is fully edited for it. Yeah, which is like, yeah, that was probably too far. Yeah, and and to go back to your Star Trek one, like that's how I feel about cruise ships. I just, for many, you know, oh, our kids ran off and did their own thing on the cruise ship. I'm like, are you kidding me? I couldn't do, I couldn't do that. I have friends who just went to a resort in Mexico and that let their nine-year-old wander around. Yeah, it feels wrong to me. This is like a scene from a movie where, like, a, a natural disaster is coming and you can't find your kid. Yeah. Yeah, something bad is going to happen. Know how you could have avoided it? Not had your kid on the cruise. Or not going on the cruise at all. I mean, I don't know. Death boats are not my thing. Yeah. My dad for years. Oh, do you want to go on a cruise? No, I don't. Why not? Because every year someone's thrown overboard for being a smartass on a cruise and people get sick of them. It's probably going to be me. (laughs) Um. Yeah, well, I I think nowadays like cruises are a little bit more more safe, but I mean there's there, yeah there's always that risk. Um, yeah. and I mean yeah, like same with with uh, you know uh, any resort. Like I remember uh, being on our honeymoon, and um, we were walking like it was it was dark outside, but I mean they had things lit up and stuff, 
and there was like something in the bushes, like when we were walking back to our room. And I, I don't know if it was, you know, like you wouldn't think it would be an animal because we were in an enclosed resort. So it's like, is there a person in those bushes? Like, are they, are they waiting to jump out? Like, you know, I, I definitely wouldn't want a kid running around there by themselves. You know, at least yeah. like, I, I could defend myself as, as an adult, but, but anywho, uh, Kev, uh, what's your first nitpick for, for tonight? All right, this is either going to be like people are going to be a one or a zero on, or a ten or a zero on this. I don't think there's an in between. It either bothers you or it doesn't. Yep. Not not even like a bothers me a little thing. When a book series or an author's works are being re-released with brand new covers. And they switch the covers before the entire collection has been re-released. So you have, let's say, Stephen King, for example. Just This is one that I vividly remember. They were re-releasing all of his books in mass market paperback. His name looks the same across all of them. The title's the same on the spine for all of them. They all had, like, a little, you know, silhouette design, whatever the heck. And before they completed reprinting what they had, they did a new one, but they they didn't go back to finish the ones previous, and they didn't make the ones they'd started look the same. So if you were rebuying all of them or buying them for the first time, you would get about halfway, and then all the spines look different. If you're yep. going to re-release them, I want all the spines to look the same. If it's just none of them look the same because they were released years apart, that's fine. Mm-hmm. I accept that. But when we got a brand new collection going, I want them all look the same. Um, my my copies of Sandman all look different, but they were all bought at different times, so I'm okay with it. Yep. Uh, however, same thing for DVDs, though. Um, I have a couple that, you know, let's say it's uh, volume one through volume five of something, and one, two, three, and five will be on the bottom of the spine and the number four is randomly at the top for no reason. Can't stand them. If I have a full collection, I want it all to look uniform. Yeah. And, and there's really nothing I can do. When I get, you know, I uh, can't contact the publisher and have them redo it. You yeah. know, they, they didn't care anyways. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to buy it all over again either. I just got to deal with it when it happens, but it drives me insane. I have, there there are some lines that I have considered rebuying, like getting rid of the ones I have and buying the new ones in hopes that they will all match. But more than likely, they'll just mess up again and, you know, get halfway and then restart the series. Yep. No, that's... But I... to, you know, you're... Yeah, you, you just want it to look nice on the shelf. Oh, I hear you. I, I, I totally get it. Um, Game of Thrones. Um, before this show came out, I was recommended A Son of Ice and Fire by a friend, and I never read them before. Um, so I bought, like, the first two books, and then I, I never did get around to reading it. So I watched the first season. After the first season, I went and re- I started reading them. But by then... They had re-released the series for HBO, like like you know, with different covers and all this other stuff. And you know, it says on on the spine, you know, an, a, a new HBO series or whatever, right? So when I went and bought, when it came to buying the third, fourth, and fifth books, um, they look different than my first two, and it, and it's oh, it's so frustrating because you know. Because yeah, I want it to look the same on the shelf, but now it looks different. And I love the like the first two, like the way the covers looked, and the way the spines look. I love the way those look. And then my next editions, you know, they got that HBO logo and and all that on it. It just drives me nuts. But I'm also too cheap to go out and rebuy an entire set. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I already started. I don't want to. Go, I don't want to rebuy books I already have. But anywho, that's a good one, Kev. Yeah, 
I, I, I totally get it. I totally get it. Um, Lillian, are, are you are you with us on this? Um, do, do you get nitpicky about about that? Okay, perfect. But I have an issue with things like if they're not if they're not gonna match, that's okay. Like say they do something different or they change something, they all have to like change cohesively. Like it has to make it doesn't make sense. Or I'm gonna have to own multiples of the same thing so that I have the one I liked or the previous one and the updated one. Yeah. All right. Excellent. Um, all right. So uh, we'll go one more round of, of nitpicks. Um, so this one won't be as... I, I won't be ranting as long on this one. Um, this just a kind of general one. Originally, I was going to say su uh, Superman, why, why he doesn't do more. Um, but uh, I recently saw a, a thing on, on Facebook, a meme... Um, not a meme, but like a, a little fact thing. And I think I shared it uh, on one of the groups I'm uh, on on Facebook. Where uh, Superman, the reason why he, you know, is a reporter and all that, it's not because um, it basically it's uh, him uh, taking a break from the stress of being Superman. Like him being a reporter, you know, going to work, you know, doing the Daily Planet thing. It's basically that, like, that's his his off time um, from being Superman. And I was like, okay, yeah, that actually makes sense. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna complain about Superman. I'm not gonna nitpick this. So I so I'm changing my nitpick to more of a broad, uh, general nitpick. Um, I, it drives me nuts. Um, the reluctance on CGI um, in in most productions these days. CGI has a place, you know. Computer generated effects have have a place. I get it, but when something can be done practically, you know, with practical effects, you know, or or practical sets. I think it should be done that way because, you know, CGI, you know, like I said, it, it, you can do more things. I know a lot, a lot, of, a lot of the reasons why they do it is, you know, uh, you know, it saves money. Um, but it kind of, it always kind of takes me out of it a little bit. Um, so for example, uh, I, and I mentioned this on, maybe it was last episode of Trek 1701. Um, one of the, one of my nitpicks about new Star Trek is the bridges, um, are mostly CGI. Like there, you know, like there's just a few, you know, chairs or whatever, but a lot of the panels and a lot of the displays now are all computer generated. Um, and that drives me nuts. You know, I think I, the bridge should be a set. It should be a place that you can walk into and actually sit there and you can make believe like that's what you should be doing with Star Trek. Um, and also in the real world, um, like my local news that I watch is uh, Global Edmonton. And I want to say about 2010-ish, somewhere around there, um, they decided to go with like a digital news set. So basically, it's just, you know, the two newscasters sitting behind a desk, but everything else in the studio is green screen. And then they then they superimpose, like, this digital set. Um, and, and I hate it. I hated it from day one because it's not, it, it feels fake. Like, like, and it is fake, but it just takes me out of it. Like, I think if you're gonna be telling the news you should be in a real room with real desk um you know like global they used to have you know like uh plants and all that kind of stuff in the background like it, it felt real but this digital fake newsroom setting like that just it just takes me out of it and i just you know this over reluctance of 
computer generated effects. Um, and I heard that's, you know, like I still haven't seen the new Ant-Man movie. I heard that as a big complaint, uh, that people have is it just doesn't feel real because, you know, of, uh, you know, they're them just being on a soundstage and it's all CGI. And I get that, you know, you know, I haven't seen the movie. I know Kev, you've seen it. Um, but sometimes it'll take me out of, out of that movie. Like I need that realism. Um, like, you know, for example, Avengers Endgame, like, you know, like the final battle that was just them on a soundstage, you know, superimposing the CGI, you know, landscape of the decimated Avengers um, compound because Thanos blew it up. But just prior to that, they had that scene with them by the lake where they're, you know, talking about Natasha dying. So you had the real the realism one scene and then you had the CGI the next scene and I'm okay with that as long as you're intermixing but if it's just total CGI all the time it just takes me out of the out of the show so anyway that's my nitpick um Kevin did you did you have anything to, to add to that well I think the best example is Jurassic Park which, because of the CGI and practical effects mix, still looks good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, you could put you could put Jurassic Park on now, despite having what near thirty years of CGI tech that's come since, mm-hmm. and it still looks good, really good. Yep. Yeah. But then, you know, I, I, I've seen other movies that were, you know, the big you know, pushing the tech as far as it can at the time or, you know, whatever the heck the gimmick was. And I watch it just three, five years later. I'm like, this looks awful. Yeah. It looks so bad. But that, you know, then there's stuff, you know, other movies with, you know, miniatures or whatever that get me. There's black and white movies that have incredible stuff. I'm like, how the hell they even do that then? Yep. You know, um, and, and one of the, you know, when I know it's good CGI, when it takes place in daylight, mm-hmm. cause there's so much that's just, oh, it's going to be dark and rainy and gloomy and that will cover everything. And so like, so the rare times you have something CGI, you know, in a, in a sci-fi superhero or whatever movie. And it's in broad daylight. It, I immediately think, "Oh, you spent some money to actually do this right." Then, <laughs> yep. And 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 Marvel has done it well. Um, like, I mean, don't I'm not crapping on Endgame. Uh, you know, still one of my favorite movies. I love Endgame, but that battle in Infinity War to me was better because it was yeah in daylight. And it, yeah. it, it I don't know. It, it felt real. Whereas. Uh, yeah. You know, the end game fight kind of felt, yeah, a little too CGI-ish. Yeah, if, if it's broad daylight, you can hide less. So I feel like a lot of these companies work harder. Yeah. No, yeah, I totally agree. Um, Lillian, what are your thoughts on, on the use of, overuse of CGI? I think that it could... It can make things so bad. I mean, especially when you choose what CGI. Like, how many movies have come out in the past, say, five or six years where they decided to CGI something that makes no sense? Mm-hmm. And you're just looking at it going, why? They could have used a puppet or they could have used a prop. But no. It's like, wasn't it Scooby-Doo? They CGI'd Scooby and everybody was like, what at the hell? Yep. It's just weird. And I, there was another one that came out recently and they did one of the characters, it was one of the animals was randomly CGI. And it was so dumb. Oh, that just, oh God, Garfield, bad movie. Oh no. Oh yeah. I don't know why that one came to mind, but that, we don't talk about that movie. But, um, Exactly. Like, CGI can make space battles epic, 
or a movie flop. <laughs> Especially with like, if you think about it, Nicolas Cage, there was an article recently where he said um, in the contract, they weren't allowed to alter his face. No, that was, that was Keanu Reeves, that one, right? Yes. Yep. Um, because CGI can now be used to make someone look younger or, you know, and it's, it can be creepy. It can look creepy. Yep. Yeah, especially when it's not done right. Um, exactly. Yeah. Anyway, anyway. Um, <laughs> Lillian, uh, what do you got for your second nit- nitpick of the night? Okay. It's actually funny that Kevin um, mentioned Jurassic Park because that is ties into my first, my second one where it was movies where they have obscene amounts of money Mm -hmm. and are supposed to be super duper smart but nobody thinks of a contingency plan so nobody dies if things go bad you're telling me that like with Jurassic Park nobody had like well what if the dinosaurs get out we need an easy way to neutralize them. That yeah. I, I always thought of that. You know, like when they, when they, because gen, they genetically engineered these dinosaurs. You'd think they would do like a suicide squad type of thing where they put something in them to blow them up if they went out of control. Exactly. Or a bigger gun. Or tranquilizer darts that take the weight of yeah. So it doesn't wear off. Yeah. Well, like, I love the World War Z book. Mm-hmm. I have issues with the movie, but if they had called the movie something other than World War Z, because it really has nothing to do with the book, I would yeah. have enjoyed it more. However, that being said, there's a scene in the movie, and I forget the exact wording. But it's something like, why are you prepared? And it's our government has a person who is supposed to come up with the most crazy ideas and follow it through just in case. Mm -hmm. Because if I can think of it, it means someone else can think of it, too. I don't know. They call it like the eighth man or something like that. It's like the other seven people in the room need to go with what's most likely happening and the most logical and follow that. But we need one person to take the crazy route. Yeah. And I'm like, why? Yeah, I'm like, if you're at a certain level, like, no, this isn't something that could be done everywhere or, you know, for small businesses or small whatever. But if you're at the level of being a country or a billion dollar industry, why not pay someone and have someone to just come up with most batshit ideas like, hey, what if the dinosaurs got out one day and have a solution for that? Um, exactly. So, I mean, if you think about it, any movie where things could go bad, but it's not like it's not like a war movie where other people are causing – when you're specifically the one doing the thing, spend millions of dollars, billions of dollars, and nobody thought of a backup plan. Yep. Like, come on. No, that's a good one. Um – yeah, you need Batman. Like, uh, there's the the storyline uh, T- Tower of Babel uh, from Justice League, where Ra- like it's revealed because Ra's al Ghul manages to take out the Justice League one one by one, and then they're like, "How did he know how to? You know, how did he do this? How did how was he able to get the better of us?" And then it's revealed that he stole Batman's files because Batman has a contingency plan to take out the Justice League if he ever has to take them out. Um, which is totally brilliant. Like, of course, like, Batman would have it figured out how he could take out Superman if he has to take out Superman. Um, and that was the problem with Batman versus Superman, the movie. It's like, Batman wouldn't do that. Like, Batman would have a plan in place to take him out, but Batman wouldn't actually take him out unless he had to. That, and that was my biggest complaint. Well, there's lots of complaints with that movie, but that was one of them. 
But anyway, yeah, like, yeah, the whole not having a contingency plan. So frustrating in pop culture. Uh, Kev, um, what's your uh, your last uh, nitpick for the night? All right. So I know that we do, we overall geeks, mm-hmm. do min- minutiae for pop culture things that, you know, parents, grandparents, or other, quote, normal people just don't do. A lot of people can just sit down, watch something, read something, whatever, enjoy it for what it is, and not deep dive into it. But um, one of the things is, depending on how you're consuming this thing, you can get more details. You know, there's only so much you can do in a movie. You can do more in a TV show. You can do more in a book. Um, My kid was talking about Harry Potter, and he was saying some of the movies he dislikes because it glosses over or ignores things from the book Mm -hmm. but yeah you got a two three hour movie you can only do so much you can't have everything in there yeah so we're having the discussion i'm like you know it'd be perfect for like an hbo max to do a harry potter tv show every season of the show could be one book but then you could have six eight ten twelve however many hours worth of tv to really expand on everything and put everything to screen that was yep. in the book now one of the things that he and i enjoy that don't really have you know three to six to seven hundred page novels about it, it's pokemon because my nitpick is i really want to know what humans in the world of pokemon eat for meat or fish do they eat certain pokemon which are shown as intelligent creatures and I think it would be like us eating a dolphin. Mm-hmm. You know, you just can't do it. It's just kind of morally wrong. Or are there two? Are there two different levels of animals in this world? There are the Pokemon animals, which can do certain things, and we battle with, and we become friends with, and all. And then there's the quote normal animals like we have, mm-hmm. like cows and and pigs and you know fish and stuff like that. There's nothing really in the show at all. There's stuff that's like, eh, you could interpret it this way, you could interpret it this other way. But why would they? Like, anytime they show people eating, they're just eating. It's not like we need to say, oh, let's go and see exactly where we got this food from and who made it and everything. A a lot of it could be plant-based, too. But then again, some Pokemon are plants or plant-based, so I don't know. Um, And why would you bother animating, you know, a farm? a cow, a McDonald's, you know, whatever. Like, you wouldn't, there's no point. That's not, you only got a half hour show to tell your story. Why are you going to, you know, show me things like that that I don't need to see for the story? Mm -hmm. It's the same reason we don't see, you know, bathroom breaks on sitcoms or whatever. There's no point in the story for it. Just it happens off camera. Don't worry about it. So I just really want to know, in the Pokemon world, what, is eaten. You know, did someone eat a Pikachu once? I don't know. <laughs> Is it against the law to cook or eat Pokemon in this world? It kind of should be. But, you know, it's... It, 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 no one's going to go down this road for a kid's cartoon. <laughs> they will never tell me the answers. There's got to be, like, come on, even in the Muppets, there's vegetables you eat. And vegetables that talk. Yeah. Like, you can't tell me that some of these animals out there in the wild aren't eating each other. Well, and, and okay, there's another thing. Like, yeah, the Pokemon battle and stuff, and, and there's certain treats that you feed Pokemon in the game and in the anime it's made and stuff like that. But do Pokemon eat other Pokemon? You know, is it is it survival of the fittest? Is it a great food chain thing in nature? Hmm. I mean, there there are ghost type Pokemon, so in theory, they died somehow. Did they die because something ate them? Did they die in battle, which is a whole other mess? Hmm. I, 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 I'm I, very I, curious what Ash is eating. 
Yeah, I don't know too much about Pokemon, so I can't I, I can't really speak to that. Um, oh, we we're watching one episode. There's some sort of like Japanese bread that's usually shaped like a fish. It's like a I, I don't want to say donut, but something like that. You okay, know, like, a, like a carnival food kind of thing, but it's usually shaped like a fish. So there's Ash eating one that's shaped like a Pokemon. My kid and I are like, "Oh my god, he's eating a Pokemon!" And then we realize, "Oh no, it's." It's supposed to look like a fish. This is a thing. Mm-hmm. It's it's bread. It's dough. It's whatever. Like, but man, they had us for a second, though. Interesting. Um, so I I just wanted to quickly jump back to what you were uh, mentioning about the about Harry Potter. Um, a, a quick little nitpick I had for for the Harry Potter movies is I didn't really understand. Um, in that last movie, how, you know, cause like Harry and, and Ron and Hermione are on the run, right? And, uh, Voldemort's minions are, seem to be always finding them. And I, I didn't, I didn't understand like how this was happening. And maybe it was explained in the movie and I, I missed it or, or maybe they, maybe they didn't include it in the movie, but um in the book series um it's explained that Voldemort uh the reason why people don't say his name is because Voldemort cursed his name he cursed his own name so when anyone says Voldemort he can see them so basically it's like sending up a flare like he can see where you're at and he can and he can get to you right and Harry you know, makes a makes a point early on that he's not scared of Voldemort, so he'll say his name. Like everyone else, you know, will refer to him as he who shall not be named. But Harry's like, "Fuck this guy! I'm going to say Voldemort. I'm not scared of him." But he's actually sending like a like a flare up. Uh, you know, like here I am. You know, and that's how his people, like Voldemort's guys, were able to always like get to Harry. And it. it like, I don't know if I missed it in the movie or what happened, but like I like I think they just kind of glossed over that fact. Um, and then I don't know if it's explained in the books or do people know that his name is cursed? Like, is it general knowledge? Is that why people aren't saying his name, or is it just because you know it? You know, they just don't want to talk about him. Like, I like I don't know. But, you know, and, and like, Kev, I like your idea about them doing a Harry Potter series. And then, yeah, like, each season, you know, like, you can take, like, the first season, you know, maybe the first, because the book, first book's a lot smaller than all the other books. Maybe it is only, like, four or five episodes, you know. And then when you start getting to the bigger books, like, I think Order of the Phoenix, I think, is the biggest book. I think so, yeah. You know, maybe that's a 12 or 13 episode season. You know? Like, I... I I, I think that's a great idea. As much as I love uh, Daniel Radcliffe and... Um, and and uh, Rupert Grint and, and all of them, um, it has to be redone at some point. And I think doing it as a, as a TV series just makes sense because you can actually explore the whole book. I kind of wish they would do that with Dune, but unfortunately, you know, you need a movie budget, and you, you know, I don't know. Well, I mean, that I don't understand why they have it because I feel like it's leaving money on the table. But also, like, why hasn't there been a Harry Potter comic book series? Yeah, that is kind of weird because Harry Potter, it that's Warner Brothers, right? I want to say. Yeah. And Warner owns DC. Like, why wouldn't they do a Harry Potter comic book? No. Unless, I mean, it, unless the it's a publisher or J.K. Rowling level thing that they're not. It could be the fact the stories have a billion plot holes, and if you put that into color, it'll look really bad. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm just wondering if maybe, like, because she publishes through Scholastic, maybe it's a Scholastic thing. But, yeah, but Scholastic has bone. 
That is true. That is true. Maybe it's a J.K. Rowling thing. Maybe she just doesn't want it done in comic book form. I don't know. But, anywho, I think we can call this an episode of the Pop Culture Pub. Um, but before we go, let's play that little game of where we can find you on the internet. And Lillian, where can we find you? It doesn't help if I don't unmute myself. <laughs> uh, find me on Twitter at Talking Squirrel. That's without an A, so it's Talking Squirrel. Um, sometimes I remember to do things. Sometimes I don't. But come say hello. Excellent. Um, you can find me here at the Pop Culture Pub Podcast Network. We, like I said, I think at the beginning of the episode. Um, we're planning on having an episode of Truck 171, which will come out after this, so uh, be on the lookout for that. And Kevin, where can we find you, sir? You can find me on most social medias. I'm at Mask Library. Uh, MaskLibrary.com is a home blog, and I also do things over uh, occasionally over at the Retro Network. Excellent. All right. Well, on behalf of myself, Chris Lockhart, uh, my co-host Lillian Knelson and Kevin Decent and Ragnar, who could not be with us this evening, I want to thank you, dear listener, for taking the time to listen to the Pop Culture Pub Podcast. This was us nitpicking pop culture, and we will see you again in the not-too-distant future.